Welcome back to another episode of Talking Trade. I'm Sandy Siegel, president of MEJ. And I'm Ian Coxett at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And our guest today is uh, another UW grad. Uh, his name is Tom Lochner, and he's the executive director of the Wisconsin State Cranberry Growers Association. Tom has been in that position for 32 years, so I figure if we want to know anything about cranberries, he's the right guy to talk to. Uh, Tom, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. So uh, I want to begin with what seems these days like ancient history, talk about the trade wars in 2018-19. Uh, we know that uh, at that time, as part of the Chinese retaliation and I guess European retaliation for US tariffs, there were pretty severe tariffs placed on, uh, on uh, United States cranberry exports. Mm -hmm. The industry took a big hit then. Why don't you update us from then till now? What's happened in that time? Um, well, since then, we've we've seen that uh, uh, exports have, have, were, were down um, substantially, as you said, brother. our largest market is the UK. And then uh, that's followed by Canada, uh, or excuse me, then the EU, then UK, then Canada and Mexico, and then it trails off from there. And, and China was actually our largest growing market. We had just uh, introduced cranberries into China and mm. uh, we saw that drop off dramatically as well. Uh, there's been some recovery into other markets that aren't affected by the aluminum um, and uh, steel tariffs. Uh, Canada and uh, Mexico uh, fruit moves uh, without any tariffs on it. So um, yeah. that, that's been strong and then other ones as well. But uh, it's been a challenge um, for us, especially in the EU. And how much uh, trade diversion took place during that uh, tariff war episode? Were other producers picking up U.S. markets, and has that been sustained? Um, yeah, we, you know, cranberries are primarily a North American crop. They're grown in the U.S. and and Canada has a couple of growing regions. Uh, Quebec is a relatively new growing region, and and they're probably the second largest growing region behind Wisconsin, and British Columbia produces about a million barrels. Uh, they ship their fruit in free, uh, duty free um, into most of those markets. So whether it's China or mm -hmm. whether it's uh, the EU. Um, and then there's some acreage in Chile as well. And they have free trade agreements with just about everybody in the world. Um, they have about a yeah. thousand acres down there. So they're able to ship in. And, um, you know, that's what we're competing against. And we see tariffs as high as uh, 25 to 70% um, with the retaliatory tariffs. Uh, and that, that's a significant hit on uh, our sales and for our people that are trying to sell fruit there. That's quite a slug, isn't it? So, yeah. uh, so uh, uh, how is the industry responding these days? Are you managing supply growth or what are you doing? Well, um, about five years ago, um, five, six years ago, we were in an oversupply situation. We saw inventories growing more rapidly than, uh, than sales and uh, we were, or, and production was was increasing as well. And we have a tool at the federal level that's a, a marketing order where we can uh, limit the amount of uh, fruit that gets in comes into the market. And that we invoke two years of uh, um, uh, supply management. Um, and then we've had uh, two years of short crops. And this year's crop looks like all across the country, it's going to be short as well. So we've pretty much eliminated that surplus. And, and if you talk to handlers today, people that are buying the fruit, um, they're a little bit short on fruit right now, which has helped the prices and returns to growers um, come back up to a level that's economically sustainable. So we've, the trend's in the right direction. We've increased 
sales actually during COVID, uh, sales of uh, uh, juice were up dramatically. Um, uh, the juice is a, a shelf stable, um, yeah. and most most of our consumption is uh, is in home rather than in in restaurants or outside of home and uh, convenience stores. So we saw that go up, which was was a um, a positive thing out of it, and we, and they maintain that level as well. So uh, all of those things coupled together, along with some additional efforts in in new markets, have uh, um, helped us maintain. Uh, our, our demand and increase our demand. And we're still looking at other markets to go into um, right now. India is uh, one of our target markets um, that's been added and there's, they're looking at uh, some Middle East markets to go into as well. Interesting. I, in, in regards to export growth, and that certainly gets a lot of support from our government and, and things promoting, you know, the U.S. exports and in mm -hmm. particular agriculture products. So, you know, you mentioned the free trade agreements that Canada and Chile both um, are able to take advantage of, which certainly encourages trade with those countries um, and, and purchasing their cranberries. Are there initiatives now, you know, in Washington, um, lobbyists or so forth for the cranberry industry to try to level that playing field with, um, I know certainly the Biden administration is actively trying to have more, you know, trade agreements in place and so forth and promote our exports. Mm -hmm. um, are, is that one of the avenues in, in that you're working on? Well, yeah, we've, we've always supported um, free trade agreements that have been been developed and and we've uh, you know talked with our uh, congressional delegation more than once about um, the need to um, open up those markets by eliminating those tariffs and creating uh, free trade agreements and uh, we we have worked on that um, you know it's interesting that you know the aluminum and steel tariffs remain in place even at, with the Biden administration um, which to us, we'd like to obviously see them go away. We have been negotiating um, and we use through our federal marketing committee um, and through our national organization called the Cranberry Institute, we have been working on tariffs in each individual country to lower them. Um, we had secured a, a duty suspension on dry cranberries in the EU, for example, prior to the aluminum tariffs. And uh, we were working in other areas to do those types of things. But, you know, that's very tedious, very expensive to, to hire people to do that. And a, a free trade agreement make it much better. I mean, the, the agreement with the Canadians and, and Mexico eliminated all the tariffs. Uh, the agreement with Japan that phases out all the tariffs on cranberries. So those are very positive signs because those are important markets for us. So we'd like to, we'd like, you know, We'd really like to see uh, um, improvements with the EU. That's a, that's a major market for us, uh, sure. um, and we have uh, industry people that are are working on that um, and and talking to the trade representative or, or or who have you. But I think you know people know that the <clears throat> the international situation is. Um, it's not a happy family right now with our allies, and that's sad to see because we'd like to. The opportunity to work in those markets because if we sell cranberries we ex export about 35 to 40 percent of the crop okay. and that was growing and uh 
so it's an important, those are important markets for us. And, you know, it's a billion dollar industry here in Wisconsin and, and 4,000 jobs for residents. So if we can grow, um, it helps grow the state economy. Absolutely. And, and agriculture has always been a big, um, you know, part of uh, Wisconsin exports. So um, definitely, you know, something we're keeping an eye on. So that leads me beautifully into my next question, Tom. Um, in the midst of the uh, supply chain chaos with limited equipment and limited space and rising freight prices, um, et cetera, how, how badly or has that impacted your industry and, you know, your ability to, to get your product to market um, and, and export it? Yeah, I think it, you know, it, it, it has an impact, you know, um, fortunately, we're, we're usually involved in a truck to uh, ship to export rather than relying on rail. Okay. Um, but we've seen um, things on the supply side, for example, um, one of our major processors, Ocean Spray, who's a grower-owned cooperative, um, and other handlers heard from suppliers that they weren't going to be able to, to, to uh, purchase as much uh, aluminum as they needed or metal that they needed for cans to put cranberry sauce in. Hmm. And uh, it requ they actually went to a European country. They paid a higher price, and it was a different size can than what they normally use on their lines, so they had to change their lines. Those subtle things that people really don't think about, you know, they cost that that adds cost to um, the, producing the product. Um, you know, if you have to change a whole line around um, from uh, ounces to uh, uh, metric measurements, uh, that has an impact, and uh, you're paying a higher price and you're paying the tariffs, and so those subtle things go on and trying to get supply and just trying to act. You know, everybody's. In a position where you can't, there's a long wait time for everything, and uh, we see that we see that at the farm level, and we see it at the processing level too. Well, and as you say, the the subtleties on how it impacts everybody, um, mm -hmm. you know, in a slightly different way is it's, it's very interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you, Tom, for for joining us today and, and being a part of Talking Trade. It was really great having you. Oh, thank well, you. Thank you. Thanksgiving, Tom. Yeah, you too. Hey, it's, it's cranberry harvest time. The season's out there, and uh, fruit will be a little short this year. So uh, stock up on early on fresh fruit. Stock up early, exactly. Yeah. That's Tom right. Lochness, uh, Wisconsin State Cranberry Growers Association. Thanks for your time today. We really appreciate it. Great.